1: Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Don't forget Sam Amick, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Josh Parcell, top of the 5 o'clock hour. But right now, Gordon, it's time for What's Going On, the big news, opinions, headlines across the Zone Sports Network today. We revisit and discuss. We usually do it at 3, but uh, it can move around a little bit depending on our guest Schedule, Gordon. But uh, we're going to start off with some comments, and and as we've kind of gotten in the habit of doing the past couple of days, we we they're a little bit long, but we wanted to make sure and and get the entire message. But Will Snowden was on with Hanson Scotty. Will helps us with our BYU football coverage. Uh, he does some pre and post game work for us. Um, he's a former BYU running back and all around terrific human being it's been a real pleasure to get to know him over the and his family a little bit too over the past couple of years because he's a he's a really great guy
2: yeah there's no doubt about that very articulate understands the game understands the situation here uh obviously is very up to date with with what goes on at BYU I, I will I could listen to will uh, a lot
1: Yep. I, I could, too. Now, I, I think that's why I'm excited we're, we're airing this today, because, you know, Gordon, uh, on Monday's show, which was a, a difficult show and we expressed, uh, you know, our opinions on what's going on out there in the world. But I expressed that I'm going to look for, uh, you know, people that I respect and, and leaders in this situation, be it uh, in, in politics or Uh, Just in our community. And I'll tell you why I I, I view Will as a leader in this uh, in this particular circumstance, because I uh, really appreciate his uh, perspective and his journey that brought him here to Utah. Gordon, he's from Boulder, Colorado. Which Boulder is a very different type of community than Provo in a variety of different
2: ways. (laughs) I think so.
1: And he wanted to go to BYU. He, He wanted to get out of his comfort zone and have a different type of experience and those are very different experiences and he fell in love with his experience at BYU so much so in our community so much so that he's he's raised his family here he's uh, made his business here at uh, Alpha Recruits he's very involved with young people and uh, and he's a really smart smart person and so I was excited to hear his voice today with Hanson Scotty, and and hear Will talk about what's going on uh, in our community. And let's go ahead and play. This is about ten minutes of it, but I want to get uh, your thoughts, Gordon, and of course the thoughts and perspective from our listeners.
3: Well, you know. It's a great question. And, and, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, Yesterday I put out a tweet and and it pretty much said I was challenging people of all races, all creeds, everything, male, female. it, It doesn't matter to actually really identify what you stand for and what is important to you. So a lot of times you know obviously um I've grown up a patriot of the United States. I, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. It's a very very white place to grow up, right? So I grew up around a lot of a lot of uh white people. Um I was I mean I was always one of the few black people in anywhere I went in my like high school or in a local store, kind of like being in Utah. I mean 99% of the time when I go to a store in Utah, I'm the only black person in the store. Um and uh, so for me, I'm hoping that this does bring awareness to, the, to how we think and also for people to take a look in the mirror and say, what is, it, what is it that's truly important to me? What does it mean to be God, country, and whatever your third thing is? If that's what you say you are, what does that mean? And, and I think that's what we have to do as, as, as the human race identify truly what you stand for, what you, what's important to you, because you have, sometimes I, you know, I ask people, I say, you say God and country, what does country mean to you? What does it act? What does that act? What does country really mean to you? And that's a hard question, right? When you, when you really think about when I say country is so important to me, what does that mean? Is that, is that my influence? Is that my circle of influence? Is that only the people, or is it the entire country? Um, is that important to me? Are the people in this world important to me? Or is it only the people who are like me by following um, my circle? Um, and I, that's what I hope people will challenge themselves to do so that they can actually identify, you know what, I might have some, I have some things, you know, I've got some ugly things that still rear up in me and I need to identify why. And you know, I'm a big um, proponent of history. I was raised by a history professor um, so my dad is a history buff, so we spent a lot of time learning about history. Um, and I think that people need to challenge themselves to really look at history and identify how we've come from uh, through everything, our, our life, to where we are today um, and really take an honest look. And, and, and uh, I played for Norm Chow. And um, I'll, I'll tell you I was a, a, a solid football player, but I was a role player for Brigham Young University. I probably could have been a lot more than a role player. I was a talented, highly toted recruit out of, out of Colorado. Um, I had all the I had all the skills. I was big enough, I was strong enough, I was fast enough. Um, I was smart enough, but I never became anything more than a role player for BYU. And the reason I never became more than a role player is because I didn't I just didn't have the the understanding or the drive to say, you know what, I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy. And you played with him. You were a guy who wanted to be the guy. I want And I was fine just being, you know, I'm going to be a role player. I'll do what a team needs me to do. And we need those type of players on that team. Mm-hmm. But Norm Chow, since the first day he ever met me, uh, he always said, Will, he would tell me about all my experience, all my ability, and he would say, and then from then on, he would just say, "Will, you can fool everyone in the in the world, but you can't fool you can't fool the person looking back at the, in the mirror." Mm. He'd say, "You can fool everyone," and and he would just say that to me. Sometimes that would be all he would say, and I'd be like, "What the heck is this man's problem?" <laughs> like he just, you know, I'd be sitting in the football office. He'd walk in and say, "Hey, Will, you can fool everyone in the world, but you can't fool yourself." <laughs> And you look in that mirror, you can't fool yourself. And then he'd just walk away. He'd walk up to me in football practice and say, hey, Will, you And I just might have had a nice run. picked up 20 yards. Hmm. Then he'd come in and say, hey, you, you can fool everyone in the world, but you can't fool yourself. And I'd be like, as a young kid, you're like, what the heck is this little weirdo talking about? <laughs> and then as, as I become a man, as you get older, you start, I started just that would play in my ear. I could hear Norm saying this to me, right? And, and what he was saying is, dude, you are not hitting your potential. You're better than what you're showing me. Yeah, you just had a nice run. Yeah, you play. Yeah, you're in our rotation. Yeah, you're a four-year letterman. But you, you can fool everyone, but not, but, but not yourself. And I didn't understand what he was saying. And Norm and I talk, and, and he now is educating me on what he was saying, but he didn't have to educate me because I came to that on my own when I stopped and stopped. What happens in, this, in, in, the, in the United States, in the world, is we react without thinking. So I challenge everyone to stop and think. What is important to you? What is it you stand for? What do you want your country to represent? And go support that. And, and, and it doesn't matter right or wrong what it is. Go support that. But, we, but, but I, I've lived in, a, in this country, and, and we have so many different sayings about our country. We have the greatest country in the world. This is a country uh, under God, indivisible. All of those things, what does it mean? Yeah. So we need to start looking at what it means that we're, that we're spewing, that we're saying. And if, if we realize what we're saying doesn't actually um, convict our actions— then we need to make changes. And that's what I had to do, and that's what I try and instill in these young athletes that I'm preaching to. I'm simply saying, hey, go be the greatest. You can be the greatest. You can be the greatest. You have the potential. Go to work, go to work, go to work. So the same exact thing is I need to look at myself in the mirror and say, Will, what's important to you? What do you represent? Mm. What do you want for your country? And and once I identify identify that, now I've got to go live it. And that's what I hope, all of the protests, all of the burning, everything that comes from it. Because everyone hates looting. Everyone hates looting. Everyone hates violence, right? But we have to look at our history and say, why is this happening? Has this happened before? Mm -hmm. Why is it happening again? Instead of, I just hate the looters, does that make sense? We have to actually stop and think, because we're so reactive. Mm -hmm. And now in today's world, everything is so right in your face, right? something happens and we're going to see it in two seconds. Well, we didn't used to see it in our old days. And I'm not even an old man. I didn't see any news until the five o'clock news came on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm, we're being bombarded with information from ignorant people too, because you have to deal with both both sides, someone trying to make a point and we've become this nation where we just, (laughs) I'm like, Oh, the sky's blue today. No, it's not. It's orange. Okay, well, are we just going to argue about everything or can we agree on anything? And it's from everything from our politics. It doesn't matter what side you're on. Well, I've drawn a line in the sand and I can't, like, we can't even, like, talk about issues. And so my, my my hope and my prayer for what's going on here in Utah and in the nation, but particularly Utah, because this is my community, is that we actually get together and start trying to understand each other. But more importantly, identify what is important to you. Identify the ideologies that that make your heart race. Mm and go be that person and also be honest with yourself and don't, don't, don't turn a blind eye to injustice And these conversations are uncomfortable. It is what it is, but at the end of the day, it's how great change happens in our nation. And so I'm just hoping that, that I see some positive change and that we can focus on the issue. Um, because there's so you can get, you can get so focused. I have a picture and I'll, I'll finish with this, that I do a training on with my kids and, um, but whenever I go and speak and the picture of hands, we're playing against San Diego state. I think it's my junior year. And I remember the play like it was yesterday. I catch the ball. I hopefully, I can give you guys a visual. I catch the ball and I make one guy miss. Now another guy is coming and he has me, he's wrapped around my legs. And so I want you to see this the guy's wrapped around my legs. I have the ball, my eyes, there's someone wrapped around my waist around my legs, right? But my eyes are on the pylon. I'm trying to score. I'm not caught up with the, with the junk that's underneath. Because I'm not even looking at him. My eyes aren't looking at him. He's not going to tackle me. My focus is where I'm trying to go. I'm hoping that we can actually see the big picture, see the pylon, and go for the pylon. And, 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 and I'm, I'm being very clear. What, it doesn't matter what it is that you stand for what is it you stand for? Who has God created you to be or whatever you believe in created you to be and go be that person. But I think that people want justice. They do. But do you only want justice for yourself? Hmm. Do you, or do you really want justice in this country? And so me, I'm about justice for all people for all people. But when I see injustice for uh, a certain people and I look at the history, I have to just be able to have that conversation even when it's uncomfortable. Hmm. So that's all. So, so that, that's all. But just so I hope I answered your question. I don't know if I went on a tyrant, but, but uh, that was what, what was on my heart to, to say.
1: Will Snowden, uh, our good friend, part of our BYU coverage. And I thought some very uh, strong words, well thought out, uh, and wanted to uh, run them by the big show audience as well.
2: Yeah, be who you are, be who you want to be. You know, if you have a certain way of looking, a certain way of thinking, make sure that you do what you think. Uh, Yeah, good stuff from Will. And just uh, a shout-out, Will does Alpha Recruits.
1: So, if uh, you've got a young football player that's looking to get uh, attention from universities, uh, Will has a, a terrific program and is incredibly successful at what he does. Plus, uh, provides terrific BYU uh, BYU coverage. So, wanted to give that uh, let our, our listeners get a chance to hear that. Let's let's do the Joe Engel stuff coming up next. Gordon, so we have plenty of time to uh, get into what Joe had to say as the NBA. It's official. It's returning. The owners voted. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Joe Ingles coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Again, Gordon, fine choice on the band of the day today. Welcome on back. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordo, should we talk a little basketball? Sure, let's do it. It's official. The NBA is coming back. Uh, the Board of Governors voted. Only one vote against the proposal. So, of course, it uh, passed easily. And we'll have NBA basketball back on July 31st. Joe Ingles uh, came on with DJ and PK, as he always does. And by the way... Props to him for continuing to do that uh we we talked about this the other day it's It's been really fascinating going through this experience in a sense with Joe I mean getting a weekly update from him on how his family's handling it and return to basketball I think has been a has been really great and I'm glad he's continued to do that
2: yeah, and the guys obviously I don't know whether they talked with Joe. About the teams that uh, the jazz have remaining those eight games they have on their schedule, OKC New Orleans, Memphis, the Lakers twice, the Spurs twice and Dallas, because that I think that started to leak out last night, didn't it? It did yeah uh-huh. and uh, but, I don't even uh, know
1: is that a, is that official yet? Have we seen that confirmed or is that still theory? Uh, boy, that's a good question. I think it's still theory. Is it theory? Well, well maybe not theory, but I, it's been reported by. Well, anyway, I, we haven't seen it from the NBA certainly. But then okay. again, we're we're following Woj and Shams, and <laughs> you know, and we got a statement, I guess, from Adam Silver, which that was not included in. So I don't know what's official and what's
2: not. Yeah, but either way, Joe is. Uh, I'm sure uh, he had to. I, I like what you said there, Jake, because he sort of had to. He had to wind his way through all this COVID-19 stuff, and he was concerned about his family. And he wasn't sure, you know, under those conditions that he wanted to go play basketball because his family was, as it should be, his number one priority. But uh, I'm sure he's uh, worked his way through that and is probably, at this point, I imagine, fairly excited to go uh, do what he does.
1: No doubt. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll never forget uh, the, when, when he talked about his first experience getting in the car again how he just went for a drive when everybody was shut inside and he had to quarantine himself obviously because of exposure to rudy and and uh and donovan at the time and i remember him talking about how great that experience was just getting in the car and and going for a drive um but anyway gordon let's start with this clip uh here's joe talking about uh, being uh if he's more encouraged or discouraged now that uh, the timeline is known
0: Um, honestly probably a little bit of both to be honest because I I obviously had said what I said originally when I I was on the podcast with with Sam and had said at that point there was no way I'd be willing to play and and obviously at that time that I said that well as unknown as a lot of the stuff is still now with the virus um, there's a lot more kind of clarity to it and obviously being in the community in Utah and going to the supermarket a few times and and kind of doing, um, I wouldn't say like what we regularly, kind of normal life, but um, you obviously realize what you can do to to obviously be as smart as possible to to not do it, to to not catch it or or bring it home. So um, the good part is obviously, like you said, the dates and the... um, I guess the idea of us playing is starting to um, look like it's going to be happening, I guess. Um, I think there's a vote. I think it's today or tomorrow or something. There's a vote. I don't even know who's voting, but someone's voting um, and I'm not voting. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know who's voting for me to play or not, but um, it obviously looks like that kind of July-ish timeline. And, um, so that, that stuff obviously starts to kind of clear up and you can – I guess like pencil in where you kind of kind of going to be in, in a time frame, but then obviously um, the flip side for me, which makes it hard, is, is what you do with your family. Um, being away from from your family for potentially two, three, I don't know how what the max date is, but it, potentially it's a, it's a lot of time. So um, that throws a, a spanner in the works of, of what happens, but. Um, obviously, if we go and play, I, I want to be there with my team and um, help our team win. So, um, I've obviously got some stuff to figure out. and um, Like you said, now obviously we know when Renee's kind of due date and stuff is and that. And, um, so, yeah, it's cleared up some stuff, but it's also opened up a new, uh, a new book of some, some uh, interesting things we've got to figure out and time-wise.
1: And he's not the only one. That's that's why yeah. those interviews are so great. I mean, it's giving you that perspective. He's, he, it, you know, we're all trying to figure stuff out, and NBA players are certainly no exception.
2: Well, Renee is pregnant. Do, you, do we have a due date on her?
1: He said they do have one. He just said that right there. I did not hear him mention a date.
2: Uh, that, not a, we don't have that specific thing, but that's something for him to be concerned about. But when you got Joe's kind of money, fly your family back there and uh and have them uh stay with you uh now initially, they said they were going to restrict families, and they might uh, make more room for them as time goes by um I don't know what that means, but uh Joe seems like the kind of guy that probably under these circumstances would love to have his his wife and his kids around.
1: I would guess, yeah, I'm not sure but
2: but but but, but they're human beings, and these are all things that are going through their minds. It's not just. We just think, okay, these guys make a lot of money. and They're sort of uh, automatons. Just go do what you do and don't worry about anything else. Well, there are other concerns that they have in their lives. So That's how most view you. Uh, <laughs>
1: that was a that joke. I'm an Come automaton? On. Ha, ha, ha. With a lot of money and nothing. Uh, I wish. <laughs> I don't even get a chuckle anymore. We need to get back in the
2: same room together. If I had put down ten billion, I only would have had five left. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, I knew do, do. that was going to come back to haunt me.
1: Let's uh, let's right. get more from Joe. Um, here's his: if he's happy, basketball is coming
0: back. I mean, I'm glad I get to do my job. Like I, I love playing. I love playing for the Jazz. It's, um, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I've. I've I've loved my whole six years here and to be able to put on a jazz uniform and represent the state and and the team and the owners and the fans and and obviously, like, for me, Australia and stuff like that, I absolutely love playing. And um, it's been a really weird time not playing and not even being able to go to the facility. Um, It's been a a weird, like, mini off-season and um, I think everyone will be obviously there's going to be the guys that feel a different way and, and I still have a, a bit of a weird feeling about it but um, I don't want to be away from my, my family for two or three months or whatever whatever the time frame is and all that but um, it's also uh, as as it is, like it is what it is and I'm going to do my job and I want to do it well and um, I'll be excited to, to if we get to that point and Get to put the jersey back on and, and go out, run out there with my, my teammates. I, I'd love to go out and do it. So um, I don't want to get too excited about potentially playing, if, if, in case it does. Because we, like I said, we it's not definite yet. There's been dates thrown out and all that, but they haven't actually. Until they actually say we're playing, it's um, you're kind of in the same mindset of just doing what we have to do every day and waiting for for some answers. And then, yeah, once we get that. Like go-ahead, I'll be really excited to get back out
1: there. Now, we do have that go-ahead kind of, Gordon, because the players still have to vote on things on Friday, and we've seen how that can get a little bit sticky with other sports. But it would appear yes. that the players are, are on board, and um, you know, Chris Paul isn't my favorite basketball player on the planet. I'm not, uh, not shy about that, but it appears that he's done a good job with his union, getting them on board in a productive fashion.
2: Well, Joe said, Joe said in that first bite, well, uh, you know, whoever's going to be voting on this, well, Joe, you're going to be voting on this. On Friday, yeah. <laughs> on Friday. And, yeah, I think most people expect that to be sort of a rubber stamp kind of approval. Because
1: I don't know, I honestly, and, and maybe we sound like kind of a broken record on this, but uh, I don't know when we're going to see baseball again. That's more in doubt. They're basically not negotiating right now. Yeah. The players put back their uh, proposal with, I think it was 114 games, Austin, if I'm not wrong. The owners are at 82. And basically, the after the owners got the players' most recent proposal, said, yeah, we're not going to give you a different offer. We mm-hmm. we gave you an offer, and that was it. So, I
0: don't which, know. Which I, happens all the time in negotiations. It doesn't mean it's over, but it's not a great sign.
1: Not a great sign at where things stand at the moment, because now we're in a, uh, a a game of chicken, and who is going to blink first? Uh-huh. And you know the and they're the,
0: both chickens. If you ask me,
1: well, well a major been, league you been play-
2: saying you've been saying that all along, Jake. That the NBA players and NBA uh, management ownership is uh, much closer and much more in concert than what's going on in baseball.
1: I've uh, I've said this a couple times, but David Stern did Adam Silver such a big favor. Before he handed over uh, the, the commissioner job by going through the lockout and doing a lot of the dirty work where he could be, you know, the bad guy. It didn't matter because he was leaving. And Adam Silver took over a situation where, every, where he was set up to get a lot of wins with the players. You know, the hard stuff was was put into place and he could earn some of that trust. And, you know, the last round of CBA negotiations with the NBA and the players went absolutely smoothly to the point that hardly anybody knew about it. And now a lot of that trust is it's paying off because of this process, which could, there's a lot of places where this process could not go smoothly. And it's pretty amazing how smoothly it's going with the NBA.
2: Yeah. It just seems like it's just a, just a matter of formality. Now Uh, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if the players get in the way of this. And meanwhile, I wouldn't be shocked at anything in baseball, nope. like you said.
1: No, there's no trust there in no. uh, in baseball. All right, let's do one more Joe bite. Here's Joe, and you've brought this up a couple of times, Gordon, how weird it will be playing with no fans. Here's uh, Joe Engel's thoughts.
0: It's, <laughs> it's going to be bizarre. Even playing in Granada my first year in Europe, I don't even know what the stadium held, but it always – Felt reasonably quiet in there, but even that was still three or four thousand. I've played in games at World Cup and Olympics where you play against a very small country that's not as good as what a lot of the other teams are, and even then we have a few hundred Australian fans that come and scream their heads off. So this would be probably since like high school, at least I've probably played in front of but it's just a really bizarre time at the moment.
2: Yeah, it is going to be an adjustment for those players, and they're going to have to find the motivation and uh, their own environment, their own comfort zone amongst themselves, really. It's going, I think team will be as important as it ever has been in this circumstance.
1: I agree. I agree. Because I think the team that plays hard and finds a way to self-motivate, I think will have a, an advantage over some other players and teams.
2: Well, think about it. why. Why is it that there is a home court advantage? What, what, what's going on there? What's the psychology of it? Some people say, well, you're sleeping in your own bed. You, you know, you're used to the floor. You're used to the rims, whatever. You're used to the sight lines, whatever. I, I, I think it's – it's. I think those fans motivate those players, and that's why you hear coaches and players say all the time, yeah. we need you. Well, if we, you... we need the lift you bring us. Well, now the team's going to have to lift itself.
1: There's um, There's only two teams with home court advantage in the NBA, if you listen to Locke. Uh, and that's Utah and Denver because of the altitude, and he's got some statistical backing for that. Yes. I think I think home floor is a little bit more valuable than that, for some of the reasons that you talk out uh, talk about there. But I, I'm more i more think like, uh, what if you're not on the Bucks, the Lakers, or the Clippers, and you have the attitude of, boy, let's just get through this and get me out of here. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some of that.
2: Yeah, there will be. But that's...
1: I don't know. So how do, how do teams, I guess, self-motivate? You know, you, you heard uh, the compliment for Jerry Sloan over and over and over again that his teams always played hard. That was always his expectation. They always play hard. You know, if Jerry were in this circumstance, I would guess that his philosophy uh, would be very effective. That his, t- you know, these teams that, that play hard and self-motivate, I think are going to be teams that have success in this model. Now, where, whether it drives a team like the Jazz to a championship or not, uh, I'm not sure. But I I think that that will be an issue.
2: Wait a minute. Let me back up. You said that Locke said, and he mentioned this the other day, that the Jazz and the Nuggets have home court advantage. I assume he's referring to elevation. Yes. Right. Okay. Then why is it that in darn near every sport there is a large home court advantage as far as winning percentages go? Yeah, I, I, I mean, was a uh, lot of. I mean, uh, if you're talking about North Carolina or Duke basketball or something, like, I mean, I don't think the elevation is particularly difficult there.
1: Yeah, Locke would tell you that the stats say that there there really isn't a difference um, as in the NBA. He talks about the NBA. I don't know um, college right. basketball seems to be very different. I I told you I don't know if I'm entirely on board with yeah, him, I'm but not, I could. I'm not. Well, have you not heard him? His stats case. I don't want to. I don't want to slander our boy Locke. i haven't, next but week I've when, seen we, when we bring him on, you can have him explain I'm not sure now.
2: that the NBA is that much different than any other league or at any other level. I mean, it's there is an advantage playing at home. I think I, I'd have to listen to his thesis, I guess. But based on the winning percentages I've seen, there's. Especially college basketball. I think college basketball was the the, the was the, the most the level yeah. where it was most difficult to win on the road.
1: Correct. I've seen that too. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and not only that, but I I, I lean back on my own uh, stat that you've heard me say a thousand times, and that is the last NBA championship team that had a losing record on the road. Um, it was the uh, the I think it was the Bullets back maybe with the late uh, Wes Unseld uh, who recently passed away but that shows me that it takes something extra special to have that winning record on the road and that's an indication of being able to conquer something that teams that can't conquer it aren't aren't uh, anywhere in the same uh, ballpark so I I don't know if that proves anything at all I, I just give me the home court advantage I'll take that in any sport
1: Some real quick news, uh, Gordon, and then we'll get to a Mountain America market update coming up next. Uh, Sham Sharania reported the uh, G League season being uh, the remainder being canceled. Uh, We wondered about payment. Uh, Sham's now reporting the NBA G League paid out all of its players through the season. Uh, That was 17 total canceled days and extended their health benefits per sources. So doing the right thing. That's
2: good. Yeah. That's
1: uh, nice. i yep. like to hear That's that. good. Yep. here, here. All right. Uh, we'll have a Mountain America market update coming up next. It's The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network
1: big show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone it is time for another mountain america market update let's get out to the zone phone joining us now From Mountain America Investment Services, he is Brian Washburn with us on The Big Show. Brian, hello. How are you?
4: Good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we
1: are doing uh, just fine. Thank you very much. Let's talk about how the market did today.
4: Yeah, a little bit of a mixed uh, return today. The Dow was up 11.9. NASDAQ was down 67. And S&P 500 was down 10.5. Interestingly, that ended a five-day or a five-session win streak and also uh, the best 50-day rally ever. So in the last 50 uh, days, the S&P has gained over 39%, which is, is a record. So not really that bad of news.
2: So given uh, what's been going on, what's your uh, what's your suggestions for our listeners?
4: Well, they've got to continue to, to, to stay in the game, uh, make sure that they're invested property, that they're positioned property. And as a little bit of a... a tip for today Um, it's important that they know the score Uh, so if you remember two years ago when Cleveland was playing uh, Golden State uh, J.R. Smith made one of the biggest blunders ever in game one and that he forgot what the score was and so with four point seconds left he thought the game was tied he gets the rebound and he uh, tries to run the clock out and of course Golden State takes over in the overtime and they uh, end up winning. So just like in sports, it's important to know the score in financial planning as well. You've got to know, even in times like this when, when the markets are a little crazy, you still got to know what the score is so that you know when to make tweaks, when to make changes, maybe drop a new play, so you have the best chance for success moving forward. And the important thing is to work with a financial advisor who can guide you through the process.
1: Well, Brian, we appreciate you dropping by the show and giving us a little info. Thanks, man. Okay, thank you. That's Brian Washburn from Mountain America Investment Services, and that is another Mountain America Market Update.
0: The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured. Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed, and loss of principal is possible.
1: All right, Gordon, we also want to remind uh, uh, our listeners about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Gordon, uh, the NBA is coming back. We're going to talk to Sam Amick about it coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, but you also... Have a column out. Let's uh, talk about it. Sltrib.com. Give us the gist.
2: It just describes uh, the scenario under which what the NBA had been working on and uh, what the plan is to to come back. Uh, And uh, and it discusses various aspects of that restart uh, and the Utah Jazz and how they fit into that whole scenario. So, yeah, it's – it's it's gonna happen, and that I tell you, Jake. Just just saying it like that kind of puts a smile on your face, yeah, doesn't it? Certainly does. I mean, what have you missed the most?
1: Oh, with the NBA be gone, being gone or sports yeah. in general, the NBA
2: uh, yeah, in particular. Specific. I it might be it might be one and the same, but
1: well, playoff basketball is is the pinnacle, right? I mean, it's I love the playoffs. It's a little long for my taste. I, I'm actually going to kind of like that. We're going to get. More frequent games, and I get why they they spread it out. I, I certainly understand, but you know it does get a little long. But outside of that, I mean, playoff basketball in the NBA is amazing, right? Game sevens are amazing. I like the playoff chase. I like things about the playoff chase, but kind of, you know, really when it gets down to who's playing well and what the matchups are going to be for the playoffs. I mean, all the the jockeying that we saw for pos, uh, position in the playoffs last year was amazing. I mean, it was crazy. Teams were winning and losing on purpose. And uh, trying to get the best matchup for them. Anyway, uh, I guess I it's that kind of tells you spring is here and summer's coming, right? When we get into the playoff basketball, that's it, it, I like how it marks that time, and it feels weird not to be talking about the playoffs.
2: So I went ahead and threw the column and, and described the plan, and then uh, placed the Jazz in the middle of that, and wondered how they would do. And one of the questions, uh, Jake, and you know it's been on my mind because I've mentioned it a number of times, is how will the Jazz respond? I mean, I think the Jazz as an organization are about as conscientious as anyone in the league. And I have great respect for Quinn Snyder as a coach. And I think the work ethic with the team is, is in fine form, always has been. And I think it, it, that won't be a problem. I think they'll, they'll be very uh, diligent in trying to get themselves back in a position to be able to compete on the floor to their uh, potential. But I, let me just give you two stats, and I've mentioned it to you before, but at the start of this season, the Jazz lost seven of the first 12 games. And then out of the All-Star break, they lost four straight games. So will that play a role? Is that a huge hurdle the Jazz have to overcome within themselves in order to, uh, in order to uh, put themselves in a position for, for their best success? When you said, I think it's more. It's more. I went back and looked at the teams they played, Jake, and it's more than just oh, they play tough opponents and just lose to the tough ones. I think, so I think too. It, it, it's more complicated than that.
1: I think so too. Uh, I thought you were going to say the the biggest question to you about the Jazz is 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 there going to be enough cheese to sustain their appetites throughout uh, you know
2: this uh, I whole think process? Uh, uh, what's, really, <laughs> what's really good is that cubed cheddar yeah, cheese. Yeah, they, they got to you know, have enough some, of it. Yeah, with some crackers. I mean, I'm sure the Jazz will have that. More cheese!
1: Adding on to your point, Gordon, uh, and I think you make a good one, which Jazz team comes back and and how does that go? I think the biggest storyline for the Jazz this year, before COVID, of course, has been Mike Conley. And whether it's worked or not working or his health and how is that and how's the team playing with him? How's the team playing without him? I mean, it's been storyline numero uno as far as I'm concerned uh, uh, so far in this uh, this jazz season on the court. And it continues to be that. And you mentioned Quinn Snyder. Has he spent this time? wrapping his brain on how best to utilize Mike Conley because I think he's going to be an absolute key to the Jazz success or lack thereof. And to your point, they're going to have to hit the ground running. So what has Quinn Snyder come up with to maximize Mike Conley and his abilities on this Utah Jazz team? That is a huge, huge question in my mind. I certainly think Coach Snyder and Mike, for that matter, are up to the challenge, but that is a challenge Yes. And especially with no Boyan Bogdanovich, it, it puts it that much more under the magnifying glass. But as we talked about yesterday, Mike Conley is too good not to use. I and agree with and that. so, how how do they wrap their brains around getting the most out of their point guard they've invested so much in?
2: Yeah, at, bat, at both ends of the floor. Uh, and as far as the offense, remember, he's so good. He was so good in Memphis, not just setting up Marcus but also. Uh, positioning himself to be able to score. Yeah. I mean, he was a real weapon in that regard. And it, initially in the jazz system, yeah, we saw that. Remember that one night after he'd had such a tough start to the season, bricking so many shots, and then he had that one game when he couldn't miss? Remember that? Yeah. And he was just like, you could see from his body language, like, where's this been?
1: Right. Yeah. It was could. like he
2: was discovering himself again, and he needs to find himself in that In that uh, in that mode, Uh, right right from the beginning, like you talked about, I think he's capable of doing it. Trying to remember who the uh,
1: trying to remember who the opponent was because I remember that moment that you're talking about very well, where he just it was like a third quarter. And he had it dialed in, and I'm trying to remember. Was it the Clippers? He had like 18 Heck. points in the third quarter. Anyway, I thought it was a quality team. It was a good team. It. Was, I, yeah. I want to say it was either the Clippers or Dallas, and of course, we can go back and and see if we can't find it. But I know, I know the moment that uh, that you're talking about.
2: So, if you're Quinn Snyder, do you let him? Do you do you let him handle the ball? Do you let him? You know how the, Quinn likes to have the ball popping around and find the open man and all that sort of thing. Do you think that he might allow or find allowance for Mike Conley to be able to dominate the ball a little bit on some possessions?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that remains the number one thing to look for, the number one storyline. How does he play? And I I think the Jazz, will their success will rise and fall with it because I think Rudy and Donovan are going to give you the exact same high level of basketball that they have been. I don't know how much more this season you can ask out of those two guys. So it's going to be Mike. It's going to be Joe Ingles to a certain extent, but mainly Mike Conley on how to adjust to, to life without Boyan and how do you take it to the next level. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy, but that's where they got him.
2: And the Jazz have to shoot the ball well because they are not the, they are not the defensive team they were a year ago. Yep. They might be a little better without Boyan because Boyan struggled defensively at times. But can the other guys like George Yang and, and others uh, uh, hit the mark? Mm-hmm. especially from the perimeter, really, really important. Those two things, hit the hit the shots from the perimeter and stop the other team from making perimeter shots. Obviously, that's a big part of the modern NBA game, but the Jazz have struggled in that regard a bit.
1: All right, Sam Amick joins us next. We'll talk about uh, basketball on the floor. Basketball coming back uh, with Sam. Looking forward to it next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.